0: How do we reach the youngest generation in America? A generation that is defined as being the least religious and the least patriotic. CJ Pearson joins us to break it down on the Give Me Liberty podcast, starting now. Hey guys, welcome back to the Give Me Liberty podcast at the Standing for Freedom Center right here at Liberty University. I am joined by a special guest, CJ Pearson a personality at PragerU. I can call you a personality, right, CJ? Yeah, you can, you can. Brother, it's so great to see you, man. Thanks for joining us. What I love uh, about what it is that you do and so many others at Prager is you're getting information out there, but you're doing it in a way, in a medium and a format that the, the youngest generation, they can consume it, um, they can learn, but they can also share that information and participate in creating it as well. Like the content you're doing, is so special. Uh, I I I've been following Dennis Prager for years now, uh-huh. and then certainly Prager U for almost 10 years. Like wow. I think it's been around for a while. So what what you're you're like right at the intersect. You're part of the Gen Z generation, but Gen Alpha is not far behind you. Yeah. This is one of the most challenging generations to date in terms of two things religiosity and patriotism. Yeah, like those two things. If you look at any polling data or information, youngest generation, it is the most atheistic by far in terms of just, or whether you call it atheism or the nuns. I I believe there are not many real atheists. Everybody has a religious preference. It's a version of agnosticism. It might even be pantheism or something like that, but it, but it is religious in nature. But the other thing is the youngest generation is marked by a kind of cynicism when it comes to America and the American promise and the American future. And I, I'll be honest with you, if I look around, I don't blame them. There's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic. Talk a little bit about your generation. You know, well, I'd have to say that I'm I'm disappointed, but not surprised. If you look at what's happening, you know, across
1: our generation, the the cynicism, like you pointed out, or the lack of patriotism, it's really a byproduct of the indoctrination that we're seeing in so many institutions across our society today. Whether it be in schools or whether it be through culture, you have an entire generation of young people who are being fed lies about America. Uh, they're being told that America is a racist nation, a sexist nation, an oppressive nation. Um, obviously, it's very hard to. Have pride when the only America that you know is described in in such a way, even when they are lies. And so I think that a lot of young people simply don't know what America truly is and what it is about. They don't know the history of this country in its totality. You know, what's interesting enough, I recently did a video where I was just asking basic civics questions and I was on the streets of L.A. I was actually in um, Beverly Hills and I asked a young lady, I was like, hey, who do you, what, you know, which political party do you think founded the KKK? Which political party do you think, um, you know, was pro-segregation, was pro-Jim Crow? And of course, she assumed that it was conservatives behind it, you know, that not to be the case. But that's the type of history that isn't being taught in schools today. Uh, But it's unfortunate. And, you know, I I love podcasts like this and platforms like this because I can kind of add a little bit of a biblical context to it. Yes. We kind of have ourselves to blame a little bit for that. You know, I have a lot of friends who go to college, they're blank slate, they don't really have a political worldview, no values, no principles, and they come from conservative households, but their parents didn't really talk to them about politics. They didn't talk to them about America. And so the first thing they hear about politics is from their Marxist left-wing professor who hates America, who thinks that America is the worst thing that ever happened to the world. And so because they give so much authority and credence to that professor because they have PhD behind their name, that is their first introduction to politics. But the Bible is very, very clear. It says train up a child in the way in which they should go and so that when they are old, they won't depart from it. I think that's a lesson that we have to learn as conservatives. If the left, if the radical left is so dead set on indoctrinating our young people, even when they are young and in elementary school and as impressionable as they can be, we have to remain vigilant and we have to remain active in, in, in that regard. But, you know, as you said, it, it is very troubling reading these studies there. You know, the Wall Street Journal did a piece, I think a month or so ago, where it talked about how if you compare patriotism and the desire to start a family and all of these yeah. things that were very huge milestones just a decade ago are now really not a huge priority to a lot of Americans. And it get, they get even less of a priority as you go younger and younger. And it is troubling. And And I think again, it has to do with a lie that is continuously told to young people every single day that having a family is not a gift, but it's a burden. That loving America isn't something that's virtuous. It's actually something that is bigoted or nationalistic as if nationalistic is something bad. How dare you have Ride in your country. You know, if you know, it's ironic though because you have many people who would never shame you for loving Alabama football like I proudly do and will never apologize for. But God forbid you love the country that gives you your freedom. God forbid you love the country that gives you your liberty and the freedom to have conversations just like this. And God forbid. You live in a country that allows you to post your ignorant hashtags and, you know, and absolutely just, you know, demonize, uh, you know, the country in which you live. You can't do that in North Korea. And so I think that if we're actually going to change, uh, you know, the narrative and the direction of Generation Z and Generation Alpha, which honestly, you know, if you think Gen Z is bad, you better buckle up and uh, get ready for a wild ride to come. But. You know we we've got to tell them about the truth about america and the truth about america is that we are truly a shining city on a hill and we have done a lot of good around the world we have been one of the biggest advocates of liberty and freedom and opportunity, and not only here at home, but across the world stage. That's the America I know. It may not be the America that young people are being taught about in college lecture halls and high schools and elementary schools today, but that's the America I know, and that's the history um, of, the, uh, of the of the country that I love.
0: I love it. Hey, CJ, let's go back to something, because this is, you said, what well, everything you said, uh, I'm fist pumping saying, amen, I agree with you. I think that if you think about the youngest generation, they're on the receiving end of education. Whether that education be discipleship, whether that education be indoctrination, right? Uh, you know, it, it's a propaganda that they're receiving at a at a government uh, sponsored, taxpayer funded educational institution near you, or whether it be a private school uh, that 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 is religious based, has a confessional doctrinal statement that they adhere to. Um, You know, it's a faith institution, faith led, faith run institution or homeschooling. And there's a lot of secular homeschoolers, liberal homeschoolers. So it's not just religious or Jewish or Catholic or evangelical Protestant. It could be any number of categories there. But children are on the receiving end. Just like, you know, you can't blame children for getting participation trophies. That was their parents, guys. That was was mom and dad. By the way, that includes boomers. Sorry, boomers. But it was the boomer generation that decided to do that. That was not the Gen Z. That wasn't even all the millennials. uh, Gen X, boomer, that kind of thing. You started that. So... So, but we are in this kind of, I'll say this going all the way back to the 1950s and 1960s of early progressivism in this mirage and myth, CJ, of, of secular neutrality, this kind of neutral worldview, you enter this world, separation of church and state, which also means you don't imbue people with any kind of religious worldview or Christian perspective when it comes to um, their life. How life began, right? Creationism. This is the you know, in terms of a philosophical category, it's called ontology. Like we we're going to remove all of that, but we're gonna we're gonna say to replace that, it's just going to be value neutral. Boy, that was the biggest myth. And yeah. so from that, you've had several generations where it's like, no, um, don't talk about the faith. Don't talk about the faith that started this country. Don't talk about the faith that is enshrined in the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. In fact, like it, had not, it was not a faith document at all, right? And I'm like, well, what was it? it I, clearly, it came from a Christian a worldview and a Christian perspective, right? But fast forward, you have several generations of that going from the 1950s forward and so now you're 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 down to like the fourth generation of this new kind of experiment, uh, where we've kind of gone off the rails here, and progressivism has continued uh, to advance in our culture to the point now where you're seeing this is not value neutral at all. So they they're taught to hate the country. That's not value neutral. They're taught that there is no god, or ab- absolutely like the 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 Christian the um, uh, Christianity, Protestantism, Evangelicalism—that's tantamount to white supremacy, that kind of thing. So here you are, like all of these things are being deconstructed; they're being um, uh, they're being propagated in such a way that these are evil. And what is the good? Yeah. We don't we don't love our country. In fact, we hate it. And we need to be globalists, not nationalists. By the way, that's the only other choice. And globalism is basically imperialism. So yeah. it, that's the only two things on the menu. And in globalism, they eat you, you're on the menu. There is no, there is no <laughs> common defense, there's no national defense, you belong to somebody else, you're subject still to the state, but that's run in Brussels or somewhere else. Anyway, I detract, I, you know, bringing it back, how in the world do we take a, a project that was hijacked and we take it back? So yeah. progressivism hijacked the American project, the American experiment, which brought about freedom, brought about faith. Uh, it it, it, it 100xed that thing uh, and blew it up. I mean, it's the, the, the biggest, uh, most free, most powerful nation in the world, the United States to date, right? But it's being destroyed from within. How do we take that back? How do we give hope to the next generation? What do we do there?
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's an incredible question. But, you know, you said a lot of things that I think are very important points. And, you know, but one point that you made, I'm going to push back a little bit on. You said that we've moved from a value neutral world where I think that they only want conservatives to be value neutral. We're not allowed to object to their, you know, propaganda. We're not allowed to object to their agenda for America. And if we dare do so, then we're transphobic, homophobic, racist, sexist, whatever, you know, slanderous term they want to ascribe to us, we have to own it. The moment we decide to stand up for ourselves and our values, mm. uh, then we're, you know, then, then it's that's a cancelable offense. But them, they're allowed to be the advocates. They're allowed to be the proponents of whatever preposterous worldview that they have and we're just supposed to you know, be along for the ride and allow them to destroy our country. And we smile as they do it. And unfortunately, it's something that has, eh, you know, infected every single institution, not just our politics, not just our day-to-day culture. I see it on college campuses where, you know, I have tons of people that I knew, you know, back in my time in Alabama, they're like, you know, CJ, I really agree with you, but I can't be vocal about this because I don't know what people will say. I, I You know, I don't know if they'll try to cancel me or what they'll say about me. Uh, and, and so it's that, you know, you know, oftentimes it's interesting that we kind of, we kind of glorified it a little bit at a time, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves for being the silent majority. And I I gotta say, I think that we're starting to reap the consequences of being that silent majority because that that silence almost became a little bit like complicity. It became almost a little bit like a permission slip for them to have their way with the world. And I think that if we were less silent, they would know that they are foul. They are truly far outnumbered uh, and they wouldn't be trying to do the things that they're doing, like putting Dylan Mulvaney on, uh, you know, these huge marketing campaigns or, you know, allowing biological men to take over women's sports, they wouldn't feel as if they had the leverage or the public support to do so if we weren't so hell bent on preserving respectability or I don't know just uh, just giving into that narrative and so that's always been something that uh, has pushed me the wrong way I think that you cannot look at the state of America today the state of our culture today and think that silence is the best path to go I think that we are at a very critical crossroads as a country right now where we don't have the luxury of being silent these people are very clear about what their agenda and what their plan for America is, they want to destroy the fundamental underpinnings of what makes America a great nation, what our founding fathers were were so bold and had so much foresight in creating. And so when you look at that and you look at the consequences of what would truly happen if they are allowed to absolutely fulfill their agenda they are grave, grave consequences. And so no, we don't have the luxury of resting our laurels anymore. And you also made another point and it it connects to kind of my answer to your question about how do we actually Win this country back You know, it, it's so interesting Whenever I, you know, talk to other people in Gen Z And other young people about these issues Who are more progressive, more liberal And and whatnot, they always You know, I'll say, you know, we shouldn't have Child drag shows and all these things they always subscribe it, you know To religion, they're like, oh, it's because You're, you know, you're a religious zealot You know, whatever this, and I'm like, no, I just kind of Believe in morality, it has nothing to do with My faith, definitely inspired by it But I think I would have these beliefs even if I wasn't, you know, someone who who was religious. But that's neither here nor there. But what they always love to say is the separation of church and state, the separation of church and state. And they repeat it as if it aids their argument. And it's because of the fact that that has been so badly taught in our schools today. The separation Mm -hmm. of church and state was created not as a means um, to protect actually the country, it was more so a means to protect the church from being unduly influenced by a government that could censor you know, people's religious beliefs. It was right. against the establishment of a state religion, which we do not have in the United States of America. And so, at the end of the day, America is a Judeo-Christian nation, will always be a Judeo-Christian nation, regardless of whether or not they want to acknowledge it or not. But again, it goes, that misinformation there points to the fundamental problem that we have, and it's education. And you know, we hear at Prager, you talk about it often, what we always say is that education got us into this mess, so So education will get us out of it. And so I think that the way we actually wrestle back control of this country is by teaching America's young people about the truth. About the real story of America, about real civics again, about, you know, the real intent of what America's role is to be in the world. And the moment that we can actually plant the seeds there, I think that they will be ripe and I think that they will grow. Um, But but I think that the real thing that we have to be intentional about there is – Intentional. We have to be intentional about being intentional. We have to go places where young people are. We've got to meet them where they are. uh, And we have to listen. We have to understand. Because at the end of the day, I I talk about this often, is that conservative ideas are truly better ideas. We have ideas that are rooted in logic and truth and fact, so much so that we don't have to gaslight people and manipulate their emotions into believing it. And so we should take that W and we should go out and talk about it. You know, in in the same way, you know, uh, you know, I, I talked about this, last night in a speech I I said that you know we can't just be okay with preaching to the choir we've got to work to grow the congregation and and I think that what that means truly is again you know there are some people who are like again Gen Z they're so far gone they're so woke they're so bad whatever else you know we can't save them we're gonna win without them reality of it is That's not possible. The numbers don't support that. And if we don't actually become intentional about having these conversations with Gen Z, you know, having a counter argument to the lies that they are spoon fed every single day, we will lose an entire generation to the radical left. And if we lose that generation to the left, we will lose our country. And I don't know about you, but that's not something that I'm willing to accept.
0: Yeah, amen. I go back to Matthew chapter five, Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus commands us to be salt and light. He says in that passage, a light does not, no one puts a light, lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel, right? But instead, you put it on a table, you put it on a lampstand to give light to the whole room. And so we have been commanded as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to advance the gospel. Jesus says to uh, Peter in Matthew chapter 16, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates... The gates are defensive fortifications. He says that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So who's on offense? If the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church that Christ has founded, that means that the church is to be this offensive weapon in culture, that it is to go out advance, that it is to make disciples of all nations, that it is to reach that youngest generation. There There is no unreachable group in this world. I believe that with my whole heart. I agree with you. I think the challenge is, you know, we're, we're trying to pass on cultural norms, but the reality is, is the worldview, you have to win people to Christ first to change their minds about all these other things. You don't do that with government and with civics, but you can win. I've talked to many women that uh, have said to me, "I, ch- you know, Jesus changed my, my mind on abortion, right? Um, you know, Former members of the homosexual community, Jesus changed my my mind on same sex attraction. Uh, you know, uh, those who've detransitioned from transgenderism, Jesus changed my mind on this. And then <clears throat> that's how you get a culture back. Um, but the the myth, I agree. With, by the way, everything you just said. The myth um, is neutrality. The myth is is that you can have this value neutral. Yeah. The reality is, is that something always comes in and takes its place. So I yeah. agree with you. Uh, conservatives have self-censored and self-silenced. That, you know, they've, they've agreed, let me be complicit with silence. Yeah. While the left has continued to advance and advance and advance and advance, they're not slowing down. In yeah. fact, they're about to go public with this whole pedophilia thing. They yeah. have in many ways, and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. But eventually they'll speak about that boldly too. Um, so they're bold about their values. We have to be bold about our values and that I agree with. You cannot win. You cannot win this culture back, this nation back, this country back without reaching down and reaching that youngest generation. And you're Uh a part of that youngest generation. So that Uh gives me a lot of hope. Um, parents, I I want, I, I think CJ, this would be a good time. What yep. challenge would you give not only to young people, but also maybe to their parents who might be listening? What challenges would you leave them with on how to reach the next generation?
1: Well, I think that scripture that you just, you just quoted provides an incredible roadmap. Be a light. You know, be a light in your home. Be a light in your community, be a light, uh, you know, within your family, within your church, within your school, within your workplace, be a light wherever you go. Um, And and also be unafraid to to speak the truth um, that you have on your heart, because, you know, as you rightly said, the left is very vocal about what they believe. They put, you know, their values out in the open for everyone to see. They don't care if you look at them differently because of it. They don't care if you judge them because of it. They stand on their truth. And it's something I actually respect about them. I may disagree uh, very passionately about the truth that they're expressing, um, but I will never really, uh, you know, fault them for advocating fiercely um, for what they believe in we as christians should learn from that actually um to be bold and unafraid when it comes to advocating for the things that we believe um are right for this country and for right for this you know society in which we live in and and i think you know for kids you know what i would say to them is that know that there are a lot more people who agree with you than you think um you know i remember when i was in uh, ap government in high school which was not too long ago actually um i would raise my hand and you know, my teacher was pretty liberal and she was very much anti, and Trump was president during the time, she was very much anti him. And, you know, I would raise my hand and push back on some of the assertions that she would make about him, that he was racist, that all Republicans and conservatives were and all of these things. And I would just be like, you know, I don't think that's true. If, if that's true, then why is criminal justice reform happening? Then why is, you know, this record HBCU funding happening, all these things. And I would genuinely push back. And then after class, I would have kids, walk up to me, friends of mine, and they'd be like, well, I never thought about this issue that way. I didn't even know that, CJ, um, but you really changed my mind on this. And so I think, again, uh, my my advice, I guess, actually goes back to what I just said um, to the parents. Be a light. As a young person, be a light. And you don't really know how many people will flock to you just like mobs. And I think we'll actually really respect the courage and conviction you have and will kind of yearn to find some of that themselves. Uh, You know, even if you're the one person in the classroom um, that has the audacity to raise your hand that one day, maybe your words, maybe your truth, maybe your courage, maybe your passion will inspire someone to raise their hand the next. And if we can continue to do that, and have light in so many different rooms and so many different places, we will drive out the darkness in a way in which the left can never ever imagine. That is how we win. That is how we retake the culture. That is how we save a generation. And that is how we save America.
0: Mm, very well said. CJ Pearson, thank you so much. Influencer yeah. personality with PragerU, thank you so much for joining the Give Me Liberty podcast. And folks, stick around for final thoughts. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Give Me Liberty podcast. Please like and subscribe and share with a friend. So thankful for C.J. Pearson breaking down a lot of this information for us. I really do appreciate PragerU. I don't always agree with PragerU. Um, they they're coming at it oftentimes from a more broad in general. Judeo-Christian perspective versus a more narrow and very biblically defined, biblically faithful perspective. So I've not always agreed with Dennis Prager. Uh, He's Orthodox Jewish, doesn't believe in the divinity of Christ, but where we agree, oftentimes are on these conservative principles that are good for the common good for everyone. One of the things that we talked about in this conversation is that there is no value-neutral worldview. There is always going to be an understanding of the things, of, of answering the four basic questions. Where did I come from? What's wrong with me? Is there any hope? And what is the future? How is it gonna end? That, that's, a, that's the general four questions that everybody has to be able to answer when it comes to a biblical worldview. It's really important to understand that the youngest generation is by far the most propagated and indoctrinated, indoctrinated generation to date when it comes to leftism, progressive values, when it comes to an atheistic worldview. But ironically enough, when you look at the sexual revolution that is taking place, there it is by no means value neutral. It is very much demonic. And we have to recognize that that is not because of a value neutral position but ultimately they've been getting a religious education but it's religious leftism it is not christianity how do you how do you combat that how do you overturn it how do you bring that back we have to believe in the gospel of the lord jesus christ we have to believe in the god that we say we do believe in and we have to recognize that the gospel is an offensive weapon not a defensive one if America is going to be saved. It will happen because the pulpits have backbone and have strengthened spines. It is the pulpit that started the nation. It's the pulpit that is going to rescue the nation. And it is absolutely fundamental that the churches get involved. So I want to encourage you go to standingforfreedom.com. We have content there. Download and please like and subscribe this podcast. Until next time, God bless you.